Hi, my name is Ozzy Durok. I'm the host of OzBuzz, where we have the privilege of interviewing exciting, interesting, and successful people. And one of those incredibly successful people, in fact, the most successful business analyst in Canada, Mr. Michael Campbell, is joining us today. And he, of course, has a great OzBuzz, uh, great Money Talks show uh, that he has every Saturday at mikesmoneytalks.ca at 8.30 in the morning, but also you can watch at any, any podcast anytime that you like. And on that, he has famous guests like Rick Weldon and Jim Dines and uh, Martin Armstrong and a dozen of other guests that help him clarify his thinking. And we're going to be here today to tap into that source of wisdom and understanding. Welcome, Mike. Uh, great to be here. By the way, I better be decent at analysis because I'm sure as heck not exciting. So I'm sort of bringing that down right away. <laughs> well, Mike, you know, it's kind of, you're fond of quoting the famous line by JP Morgan that said, you can ignore economics and finance. The only problem is that you want, it won't ignore you. And it's never been more true than today. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're in a period of historic change. And I think people have to understand how profound that is. And it does impact us. I'll just give you a couple of examples, though. The end of cheap money is over. The end of cheap energy is over. The end of cheap labor is over. I mean, all of that. And, the, and then we feel you know, directly the impact, whether some people understand how it comes or not, we're all paying more uh, higher prices. That's the inflation story. We're all paying higher mortgage rates. You know, that's the interest rate sovereign debt story. Uh, the list just goes on. Whereas, as you know, JP Morgan said, we can ignore all that stuff, but you're still paying more at the gas pump. You're still paying more in monthly mortgage payments. Uh, you've got other challenges, especially in food. I mean, I always look at food, uh, energy, and, uh, and I look at housing. And, and as you chronicle and Ozbuzz regularly, look at the rents that have gone up. So oh. these are all phenomena that are part of this historic change coming out of governments producing records amounts of money in line with the central banks creating record low interest rates. Presto, you've got a supply chain problem higher prices. So that's the list. So yeah, JP Morgan has never been easier to point out because you can ignore all that stuff. But when you go to the grocery store, it doesn't matter. You're paying more. And it's not just in Canada. I mean, Britain is clocking in food inflation at over 14%. Germany is over 12 I mean, the crazy thing is we're getting all these inflation adjusted numbers. It's 0.7, 0.7, or it's 8.1. And you and I know that when you take a look at people that, that study these, these inflation rates around the world, that is the absolute low, and they call it core inflation. This inflation, hey, we have a price inflation, as you point out. It is a heck of a lot more expensive for the average person to live. And the key on that is, remember, the rate of inflation is measuring the rate of change in prices. But let's say we went to the housing prices, you know, at the peak in March of, uh, you know, this past year, and then they didn't change. So they'd measure a zero if they were measuring that as an inflation, that would be zero. It doesn't make my cost of living change. No, <laughs> the cost of living is going to stay up. You're going to have to get a reversal. You'll have to get a deflation reduction in the pr uh, prices before we see anything there. So I expect that the rate of inflation, the rate of price growth to slow down, because we'll be comparing it to last year's prices that were already up. You know, in 2023, we'll compare it to this year's prices that are already up. Oh, it won't make any difference. We're going to be feeling the pinch in the cost of living, and especially in those main areas, as you alluded to. Well, and the crazy thing is I put in my Ozbuzz that 
you know, we say this is 7%, but it's been 7% last year and the year before. That's a cumulative effect as well. We're 25% higher than we were, say, three or four years ago. And even if you go down to that magic 5%, which in my view won't hit 2%, if you go to 5% for the next five years, that adds another thing on the cost, on inflation, on inflation. But Michael, look, right now, the big question that everybody has is, let's talk interest rates. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, a few things, is, and, and this is the constraint. I mean, here's the big tug of war in, in the whole world today. How far can they push interest rates without causing a huge break in the system? And why is that? Very much like on an individual level. So I have this monstrous mortgage. Well, governments have record amounts of so, uh, sovereign debt, but I have this monstrous mortgage and they start putting interest rates up. At some point, it gets to, to a level that I simply can't afford anymore. My finances break. Well, we've already seen hints of that, by the way. We saw hints of it with the UK pension system at the end of September into October. Uh, they literally broke. And Central Bank of England had to jump in and provide liquidity into that marketplace. I think it was about 60 to 65 billion pounds at that moment. Uh, we're seeing other indications of it. But that's the big debate, is how far can they push these things? Think about this. They cause a recession. That means government revenues go down. We're already seeing big signs of that. Oh, but wait, their debt's going up and their debt servicing costs are going up as interest rates do. At some point, something's got to give. That's the big debate going on right now is how far can they push them? Sort of a consensus seems to be forming around 5%, you know, kind of as a number. Uh, also a consensus which is changing is they're going to stay higher for longer. That wasn't the case even a few months ago. But now the consensus is they're going to stay high through 23. Uh, but that's the big point that doesn't get discussed. Government's sovereign debt problem are a monstrous challenge, as are individual debt. Record numbers. They were never done with the idea of, I know the bank rate will go up 1,700% in nine months, eight to nine months. No, that wasn't part of the formula. So again, they're waiting to see what parts of the system actually break if they push a little higher. And I think that's obviously, you know, in the real estate market, especially in the States, we've seen an outright breaking of that market. You know, obviously, we've had a huge downturn in Canada, too, you know, when you look at the sales volumes, but not as much as the States, because why their 30-year mortgage, the most popular, has gone up about 300%. Now, it's backed off a little bit, but they're watching things like that because of the ripple effect throughout the rest of the economy. Well, particularly, as you point out, the Fed chairman said that five to five and a quarter is going to be their new target. And then they're going to stay there. That is, to me, is the biggest thing because everybody talks pivot. But do you think there's going to be some sort of a pivot? Yeah, absolutely. You're so right. The focus is on a Fed or a Bank of Canada or Bank of England pivot. No, I think people are making mistakes. There can be a peak, but that doesn't mean a reversal of policy. Right. It just means extra pain is going to kind of get eased off in the system. I don't think there's any realistic assumption that you could bounce up to say five, five and a half percent, and then have some sort of significant change. You know, quarter point here and there, fine. But a pivot isn't the same as hitting peak. Yeah, and, and that is so, I get this all the time. So when, when should I come back into the market? Thanks for letting me know that things are going to be tougher, but should it be when is, when is the interest rates going to be back down? And I say, I know exactly what it is. It's March the 3rd at 9 a.m. It's going to go down. <laughs> Nobody knows. But what we yeah. do know is what our bankers and it's around the world have told us. You know, we got to bring out inflation first because they're scared to death about maybe 
a runaway type of inflation as we've experienced really in real estate for a while. And that's okay. why with the debt will never be repaid. The only way we can do it is through more inflation. I, I also want to just bring to people's attention, it was because uh, uh, I'm proud of this. I mean, my job or my goal is to protect people. It's a period of historic change. So how do you protect them? Well, the number one way is not get them exposed to debt. And so in the February 2020 Outlook Conference, my number one recommendation was lock in your debt starting in August, September. I said, we're going to get one more down push. We did. But then in that next period, you've got to lock in so you don't experience what we just had. And the reason I'm bringing that up is to say, what we're assuming even and talk about projection of debt is that the central banks have control of it. Well, they didn't have control of it at the Bank of England when the pension problem crashed. There was no amount of money, you know, like they said, hey, do you want these bonds? No, <laughs> you know, there was no buyers. It was a no bid market. You know, uh, one of the things I was fond of pointing to because it was a major signpost for me was September 16th, 2019. This is a great JP Morgan. People ignored it. And I said, doesn't matter. It's coming after you. And that is in the overnight lending market, there were no buyers literally no buyers. So they said, hey, could you lend me that money? It might be overnight. It might be for three weeks, might be for a month. Yeah. How about if I give you 2% annualized? No. How about four? No. How about six? No. Eight? No. Finally, yes, at 10%. And I said, people should understand the central banks don't control the markets. Right. And when something, you know, in psychologically breaks in that case, look at how those rates went. So our discussion just now has always been it's with the assumption that the central banks can control them. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a certainty that all you have to get, as I say, one of the, the, the little expression that people are going to become familiar with is no bid. That means I am not buying those bonds because I'm worried about inflation. You know, I'm worried about yes. the sovereign, you know, debt problems. Like there's no, there's no amount of money that I could say, Hey, I've got an Argentinian bond for you. It pays 25%. Yeah. I've got no buyers. Venezuela, I've got, well, that continues through about 50 to 100 countries in the world right now. I don't want Sri Lankan debt. No. Well, okay. So the central bank, so worried about that in England, they held a, or, or sorry, in Europe, they held a special meeting uh, talking about Italian debt, Spanish debt, Greece debt. Yeah, that sounds like a deja vu because it is, you know. So I'm just warning people that why I was trying to manage risk when I made that pronouncement, and I'm still trying to manage risk. If I want to play interest rates, I've got a lot of other vehicles. I don't play them with my house, you know, and you have made that recommendation for years. Hey, if you're going to buy a property for investment, line it up with how long you expect kind of with parameters. I think I'm going to hold this three years. Okay, then log in your interest rate risk to get rid of it for the next three years. Maybe give yourself an extra year. I don't know. But the point is, this is an environment to manage risk, not to look for home runs. Yeah, we always have believed that my partner, Ralph Case, and I, when we bought something, we went long because we wanted to keep the investment long. But every once in a while you want to, you're really buying it for a short-term period, well, then you go short. So you have to make a look. But technically, it's an insurance policy that you have. And today, of course, when you look around the world, anybody that locked in at 1% or 2% doesn't realize that that mortgage is what, solid gold. And yeah. as you pointed out earlier, it, it, you will not see it back. What is remarkable on what you just said is that you made that call years ago. And, you know, you, you point out, and that's what you do every week on these shows, that you, you, uh, you assemble some experts, and I've had the privilege of being there once in a while, but Victor Adair with his great call on the US dollar, or Mike Level, Levy on gold, and all of this, 
henchmen is that a good good name to call us <laughs> but stalwarts you know uh, and then the the other speakers you look at the intricacies of the system we have 300 trillion in debt time and time again have you pointed out we're never going to pay it back so how are we going to do it it's inflation what happened in england as you point out what what i can see or people talk about and you have talked about is what about derivatives in north america what is going to happen with our pension funds could it happen yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, my sort of glib remark, because it's not really funny, but why doesn't Illinois just said we're, say we're not paying our pensions? You know, <laughs> so, uh, California, another huge problem. And you're right. I've been alluding to that since 2018, said we'll start and said, according to the modeling I used, 2022, we'd start seeing more of this. And, and think about this, you know, that old 60-40 portfolio we are supposed to have, 60% stocks, 40% bonds. That's because when your stocks fell, your bonds went up. When your bonds fell, your stocks went up. No, we've just had the worst like 20-year period for both going down simultaneously. Like as our interest rates rise, the value of existing bonds goes down. Well, we've known the chaos in the marketplace, you know, and the, and the volatility, but with a downward bias, especially in certain groups, you know, uh, you know, the high tech, the high tech area that had no earnings, but just a lot of promise. I mean, they, those people have just been <laughs> annihilated. But my point only being what a difficult environment has been for pensions. And yes, I, I mean, it's the math. People think I'm expressing opinions. This is the math. These are the models that point out very clearly we're going to have significant pension problems. Well, that gets added to that debt load. What, mm -hmm. How are governments going to handle this, Ozzy? And, and you just alluded to word inflation. That's important to understand. So what's my evidence? My evidence that every single major problem has been handled by get banks producing more money. So recently we had the pandemic. The banks just, central banks helped the government spend trillions of dollars actually, you know, that were created out of thin air. Oh, we have an energy problem, especially in Europe right now. What's the response? 700 billion in government subsidies. Oh, but I thought they didn't have money. Oh, they don't. So they produce it. Uh, everywhere you look, the quick response has been, we'll just print up the money. Well, that's, I think, the number one challenge, and we'll deal with it this year at the World Outlook Conference, because it's the number one challenge for individuals. How do you protect the, pay, uh, the buying power, purchasing power of your paper? Because think of how poorly you've done so far. Gosh, I was saving $100,000 and I was getting 2% at the bank. Now I can only buy an outhouse. Why? Because housing prices, because of devaluation, you know, certainly doesn't really matter what we're talking about. I'm talking broad terms, not a trader who's going in and out over three weeks. No, our money doesn't buy as much. And it's obvious why they keep on producing it. You know, you've increased the supply dramatically, the value of it goes down. Well, it was supposed to be, I guess, the modern monetary theory. You just yeah. spend and spend and spend and then raise taxes or whatever magic. They want. It's not working. The crazy thing on inflation is that you and I are being told it's 7.7 .7 or 7.8. And uh, I'm, I'm quoting Professor Stephen Hanke, and he goes into every country and checks on what the government says and what the actual inflation rate is. And he has all his economic an analysis. So, for instance, last week he pointed out that Egypt's official, official inflation rate is 9%. In Professor Hanke's view, it's 67%. Turkey is not the admitted 75%, it's 120%. We had some people come back from Argentina, he says, don't pay with a credit card because if I pay for $100 on a credit card that's converted, it comes $200 on my bill. It's just wild. And we haven't seen anything yet. We are not there, may, may not go there. 
but it is time to be extremely cautious. Yeah, and it comes to one of the number one things, uh, overlying thing for me, you know, when I do analysis, which is we're living in a period of eroded confidence in government. Now, people can have different views. They can love the current government, dislike the current government. That's not what I'm talking about. I think it would be difficult to find, in our case, Canadians, but go worldwide, go Sri Lanka, you know, go, uh, go Ecuador, you know, around the world. There's decreasing confidence in government. And people think that's a political statement. It's absolutely not. It's going to be financial because exactly what you say, once you don't trust your currency to maintain its buying power, that's how you get hyperinflation. Not this stuff. You've noticed the gold analysts or some of them, I should say, pardon me, have been wrong for a long time. Printed a lot of money, gold's going up. No, it's erosion of confidence in the currency that will produce the big move in gold, yeah. the big move in real estate. And, and I agree with you. We certainly aren't as far down that path, but we are somewhere there, you know, and I'll tell you why. As you talk to someone in Montreal, Vancouver, Toronto, and say, you know, rents are only up 4%. I saw that in my, in my, my consumer price index report. What? 4%? Are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, but it, it, it keeps going because, I mean, it's a difficult thing. You know, it's a broad-based measure. They can choose what they measure. You know, uh, and so they can keep the inflation rate lower than we're experiencing. I mean, I, I you know, it's a great example, and they, they do come clean with this, but my food bills are up more than 11%. It's not that 7% inflation rate. And I'll come back again to what I said earlier. Look, just talk to me about what my, my energy costs are, gas, heating oil, that kind of stuff, yeah. maybe jet fuel if I fly. I don't fly a lot, but if I did, talk to me about what my rent is, or what the cost of owning a house, yeah. talking about compounding, you've got cities like Vancouver saying, hey, we're going to compound that, that uh, property tax increase by five, six, 7%. Oh, yeah, I know we did that last year. Oh, and I know we did that the year before. Right. So the cost of home ownership's gone way up, and the cost of rent's gone up, and then finally back to food. And that, again, depends on what you buy, you know, and we know certain categories. So yeah, I mean, we can fool around with those inflation numbers, but people know on the ground. And I just think that it's been higher than they've been reporting. And again, I have to come back to remember inflation measures the rate of increase. It doesn't measure your cost of living. Our cost of living is permanently up and going to get more difficult. That is such a good point. It's really, really cumulative. You know, when it was 5% last year, then we measured the rate at the 105% level this year, then it's, you know, and so the thing is it keeps on going. Now, the impact of the higher interest rates uh, has been uh, spectacular also on real estate. So what I do in, in my work is I look at the numbers every month. So now, of course, depending on which analyst you talk to or the banker, they'll say, no, 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 that's too close. You have to look at what was last year. And so here we now have a situation where the average person reads in the paper that Vancouver condo prices are up 3%. And they're not lying. It's true if you measure it against last October. However, since February, the condo prices in Vancouver are actually down 14%. And on the single family home in Surrey, they're actually single family home prices went from a million nine in February to a million three today. That's a $600,000 hit. And you and I talked about this on your fabulous show. And you go to Toronto, it's down 30%. And that's reality because that has been, you know, with the height in interest rate almost exponentially, real estate also came down the faster we went up. So let me ask you the last question before I really must talk to you about the World Outlook Conference. Uh, but what do you think about real estate? Well, I, I look at, here's the number one challenge for individuals. How do you protect the buying power of those paper dollars you get? And people, I, I just can't emphasize that enough. 
Because as I, you said right at the outset, if you ignore that, it doesn't matter. It's not ignoring you. So your paper dollars don't buy near as much gasoline as they did two years ago. Don't buy near as much house, even after this decline, as they did three, four years ago. Doesn't buy as much wheat, corn. You know, that list is a long one. And again, I'm not looking at making a trade today. I'm looking at protecting ourselves over time. So we know the purchasing power. We also know why. I mean, they keep producing so much of it. You know, and that is inevitable to mean the buying power goes down. You have extremes like you alluded to, but that extreme, by the way, is spreading. We've got over 100 countries in that same problem. I know Dr. Steve uh, Hankey from, uh, sorry, Johns Hopkins, you know, and he's, he's a world-renowned expert on measuring inflation. But, so you're measuring confidence is declined in those pieces of paper. So my big challenge for people, and that's what we're going to deal with at the Outlook Conference, is close your eyes. You got a pile of paper dollars. We call them Canadian dollars today. Yeah. Five years from now, or you could have a pile uh, of oil, of wheat, of copper, and have that five years. Which would you rather hold for the next five years? Right. And you're allowed your opinion. Mine is you want hard stuff. You want real stuff. Sure. And there's a lot of reasons I can go into. We'll allude to, we do allude to it on Money Talks because we were very early in that call. The February 220 outlook conference was called the coming bull market and commodities. You right. know what? I'm in the business of trying to be correct. Not bad on that baby, but we're nowhere near over. So my number one thing is energy. You can't live without it. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can cut back on my rice consumption or, or others. So they're important as heck. You can't do renewables without an explosion in hard, you know, in copper, in nickel, in silver. Uh, the list just goes on. Lithium. Yeah. So we know we're so under supplied in those areas. So that's why I like those on a longer term basis. Now, let's come back to real estate for a sec. The one challenge real estate has is, or let me give you two. One, it's not portable. So uh, I like portability so I can leave jurisdictions easier. That's that's. Okay, the other is government. The government's desperate for money. This is a warning I've given for a number of years. They're desperate for money. Do you not think they're more desperate today? You know, I mean, look at, look at the sovereign debt problems, the, the pension problems we alluded to. Yeah. They're desperate. Well, where's people got their money? Well, there's two places. Number one is real estate. And number two is pensions. So they don't dare go after pensions. And may I put a big capital Y yet? because I can give you jurisdictions that have. I'll give you an example, sorry, quickly. Poland said, oh, guess what? In your RSP, the equivalent of an RSP, we're gonna own our examples of government bonds. Why? Because <laughs> we can't find a buyer. Spain's the same thing. Uh, Don't think that can't come here. Sure. But real estate's already shown us that. So what have they liked? Oh, I know, we'll have an empty homes tax. We'll have a speculation tax. That's nothing to do with speculation. There's nowhere else to go for huge pools of funds. And you and I have just discussed, and we'll see. But we do have some parties who want to tax our primary residents. We do have some parties who yeah. clearly have got that in their platform. But or a wealth tax, you know, on yes, 100%. a million or more. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, wealth tax is a great example. So real estate worries me because it's not portable. And secondly, governments have got their eye on it. They clearly have. I mean, the, 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 it's so obvious. We just talked about property taxes. You know, it's just obvious. So a little bit, uh, you know, obviously it depends on what area, all the things you've talked about regularly in Ozbuzz. But why I like, I still think Canada, at times I think in spite of ourselves, is an incredibly attractive place. We've got lots of space for yes. number one. We look at the in-migration numbers that you and I have talked about, not just the past, but 
the projections going out 1.5 million newcomers well, they show where they want to live with path patterns. They want Vancouver area. They want Montreal area. They want Toronto, Hamilton, you know. Big cities. Well, that certainly creates a floor because they ha- that creates demand. Sure. And now I think of the other side, governments have done nothing to increase supply other than hint at things that will hurt it. By the way, very, very much like what they've done in the oil market. Hey, we want more oil, but by the way, I'll give you a windfall tax. Oh, we want more oil, but by the way, we're not going to have those leases outstanding. Yeah. You know, it's ridiculous. Housing's been the same thing. I mean, experts like yourself and people you know have recognized at least part of the solution from the get-go. You need more supply. Oh, that means zoning, things have to change, cooperation to three levels of government. And it seems like that might be just dawning on them, which is always amazing to me. You're only 20 years late, yeah. you know, but so I think real estate still has that going for it. There's no way in Canada they're increasing supply at, at the level that they've already announced increase in new demand. So I don't like the lack of portability. I don't like governments keeping their eye on it, you know, like, hey, that money looks better in my pocket, you know, and I, <laughs> But at the same time, there's the demand factors and the lack of supply. So it's still part of my portfolio, Ozzy. And I agree with you, but not all real estate. You know, you and I talked well, about we never liked hotel type condominium. Uh, Timeshare is not really real estate. There's a whole bunch of things and different areas. In the United States, we like to invest in Arizona and Texas and Las Vegas already for, for over 15 years but not New York or California and so on. So you have to also be careful, but I agree with you, hard assets are gonna be it. But I like to see sort of a, a floor first. I think we're still gonna be going down a little yeah. bit more. But real estate is just a minute part of your conference. I mean, you have oh. experts on gold. You, you have, I don't know who all is there, but it's Joseph Chakta on oil and you have Martin Armstrong who has probably the most uh, successful track record, actual record where you can point to this date he made a call and that and it happened, right? So you have a, a lineup of speakers that, that really will clear the cobwebs of somebody that's uh, confused like all of us. <laughs> well, as I say, I mean, my goal at the conference is to protect people. And so, as I say, that's why I'm thrilled with having really been clear about 400 times because I am relentless and boring uh, to lock <laughs> in your, your borrowing rates. But I'll just read you something. You mentioned Martin Armstrong, because this is also the context. He just wrote this. We are headed into a period of extreme volatility and geopolitical chaos for the first two quarters of 2023. Get ready. Well, that happens to coincide directly with uh, one of our projections on money talks. And I put it sort of glibly. I said, if you thought 222 was interesting, chaotic, you know, volatile, 223 is going to be worse. I believe that hits in the April, May period. And I'm talking, and I'm doing just economic analysis about when a recession might hit, et cetera. But the point being, you can't afford to ignore this stuff. And so some of the areas we're talking about, uranium is a long-term favorite of mine. It seems like every week I can make new announcements. Uh, Just this week, Japan, you know, remember Fukushima, no, a huge about face on nuclear. Huge about face. Germany is looking at it. And being forced to everywhere. So uranium is a very small supply. Like, you know, Canada is a player. Australia is a player. Unfortunately, Russia is a player, you know, and so that could be part of the geopolitical. So a long-term deal, I like uranium, but I like energy. We have to discuss the energy issue. And I think everybody there has pretty much got to allude to it and will. But that's a great example. 
uh, you know, update on commodities. Uh, I'm looking forward. Greg Weldon is a fantastic analyst. Yeah. I always call him the analyst, other analysts read because <laughs> he's so detailed and global yeah. and all of that stuff. Uh, really, really excited that we have Kevin Muir, one of the top analysts in Canada, the macro tourist himself. He's going to come live for the first time. Uh, Tony Greer of TJ Macro, again, phenomenally respected. But he's the guy who gave me, a, you know, sometimes it's nice to have company when you're saying stuff. So we were very clear about this commodity boom from yeah. February. Yeah. That was, I'm talking as a long-term play. Tony came out within a month or two of that. And he said, it's the great rotation. Be careful about technology and get into, uh, you know, as the theme, be careful of technology, get into commodities and get into oil. Right. Well, Tony's going to be there giving us an update on what he thinks. You know, Paul Beatty's been a great stock picker, you know, uh, with BT Global. Ryan Irvine's going to be there, Keystone Financial with Aaron Dunn, Keystone Financial. This is years ago, Ozzy, and you've been with us longer than this, but we got together. I liked them when they were young men. They were using the same uh, methodology I would. So I said, well, why don't I let those guys do the work, for God's sakes? So they've come up with a small, uh, small cap portfolio for the World Out Conference, and now it's expanded to solid stocks, everything. Well, they've never returned under double digits, ever. I mean, sometimes they've gone 80% that portfolio. And again, I always remind people, that doesn't mean you're always going to be right. No. But you know what? I like the chances when you're batting a thousand so far, <laughs> you know, no and, and not in every stock, but the portfolio mix. So they're going to be there. As you can tell, I can go on and on because I'm enthusiastic about it. Well, and it's a two day event. It starts yeah. on Friday afternoon, February the 3rd, and then all day on February the 4th. But people also must realize it's 33 years that you have been doing this conference. I remember yeah. going with you on a tour we even went to Kelowna and Victoria and Calgary in, in those days where, where the conference was the event of the year and it's never changed for Vancouver. Thousands of people have come there and you, you, you have to go there now because if you wanted to have one of those VIP tickets, uh, something that we, we also introduced at Landrush, they go very, very quickly. That gives you special seating and of course, you might get also the, the video set and all of these things and you've got to go to the website which is mikesmoneytalks.ca. It's mikesmoneytalks.ca. Yep. And then you can get information as to who the speakers are, when it is, uh, what your investment is. And I tell you, a couple of dinners or one dinner, depending on where you go for dinner, will pay for the information that will guide you all year next year in this most, most difficult environment. And I appreciate that very much. But I also want to give a shout out back to you, Ozzy. And, and as much as I like you personally, and I have to congratulate Ozzy for always supporting us at Special Olympics. That's near and dear to my heart. And it should be. No group has been more forgotten, and during, including during COVID, than people with intellectual disabilities. But there's Ozzy and I jumping in the cold water, although he likes it because I'm a much bigger wimp <laughs> so, over those years. But yeah. this is why you're there, why Ozzy Jerk is there, because he's been correct. That's the whole goal. Isn't, I mean, my goal personally isn't to be likable, isn't to be this, that. No, I want to get it right for people. Well, I'm thinking back to 2011 at the Outlook Conference, and you're saying to our people, you know what, I like that Phoenix area. Forget about this yeah. huge decline we've just seen. I like that Phoenix area, presto. Uh, been very accurate all the way through, but careful with people's money. And that's a combination I like. It's we're careful, we respect people's money and risk, and we try and manage it for them. We're not trying to make every last dime you know, out there, we're trying to make money. That's what you've done a brilliant job of at the Outlook Conference every single year. So I thank you for that, because that's the context of the whole conference. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I can't guarantee we'll be right, but you know what? I love our track record of these major trends to understand. So then you can make your decisions within them. And I'm extremely confident that 223 is going to be more chaotic. I'm extremely confident that we will have a sovereign debt crisis. Why? Because all the evidence is mounting that I am confident you have to protect yourself against the no bid environment. And I'm also confident there's specific things you can do to protect yourself and thrive. And on that note, Mike, thank you very much. I fully agree. Next, next year, the event of the year is going to be money, well, the World Outlook Conference in its 33rd year. I can't wait myself. Thank you for making the time. Thank you, Michael Campbell. Appreciate it, Ozzy.